CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, it's Friday at 5.30 p.m. here at the NASDAQ Market Site, and you know what that means. It is time for Options Action. Here's what's coming up on the show tonight. Has the market this week left you feeling like... Ah! Carter Worth has drawn up some plans to help you get your footing back. And Dan Nathan guides you through volatility around Salesforce earnings. Plus... Walmart standing apart from a negative week in the retail sector. Mike Cole looks for the sequel to that movie next week. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. Let's get right to it. It was the rate shock heard around the world. The 10-year Treasury yield falling below the two-year yield for the first time since 07. The inversion. Widely seen as a recession indicator sent stocks spiraling. This week, the Dow saw its worst day of the year. But our chart master, Carter Worth, says, fear not. The yield breakdown could spark a big breakout for one stock heading into earnings next week. He's at the plasma to break it all down for us tonight. Carter. So going to focus on Home Depot. We know that home builders actually, as a group, while this is not a home builder, as the actual builders have done nothing for three weeks. But that's called outperformance compared to the market, and it's probably because of rates. Uh, by all accounts, it's because of rates. Home Depot, if earnings next week, I think you can draw the lines as follows. One way to draw the lines, you have sell-offs, right? And this is a very precise sell-off in terms of days down, 11%, and this is 9%. But what's really important about those two sell-offs is that they both came to rest at this trend line. And I'm going to make the bet that we're going to come to life again off that trend line. Let's look at another uh, series of numbers. The lows, the highs of three weeks ago, a $63 move, $21 down. That's a ratio, a third. We've come down, and again, we're right down to this line. I think that all sets up for something quite constructive. And then finally, of course, it's all about alpha. During the sell-off, this 9, 10% sell-off, the stock has been going, of course, straight up relative to the S&P. I think it's a good place to be as a defensive name and to some extent and an offensive name. Okay, come on back over. Mikey's going to give us the trade in the meantime. Yeah, so, you know, Home Depot, obviously, this is a duopoly, basically, with Lowe's. They are the better of the two companies. They have significantly outperformed on sales per square foot over a long period of time. They have a much better mix in terms of how much contract or professional sales they do as well. And, you know, one thing I would point out, trading roughly 20 times earnings, that actually is a reasonable multiple in this market when you consider how this stock has grown EPS over the last several of years. Now, one other thing I would quickly point out, right now, while the stock isn't immensely expensive, the near-dated options certainly are. Right now, it's implying more than a 4% move off of earnings. Now, for some stocks, that might not seem like much, but consider over the last eight quarters, the most the stock has actually moved the day after earnings was about 2.65%. So this implied move is significantly larger than anything we've seen over the course of the last couple of years. One of the reasons that might be true, though, 
might not only be related to earnings, but what we saw in the marketplace this week. Obviously, we've had some significant volatility. The stock actually is significantly lower than it was. I think we want to take advantage of the fact that the near-dated options are elevated. I was looking at the September-January 210 call spread. You could spend $5 for that when I was looking at it earlier today. Selling the September calls at 325 buying the Januarys at 825 The idea here being that in the short term, at least, you're hoping that Home Depot at least recovers back to about that 210 level. At September expiration, that's where the peak profits on a trade like this would be seen. And if we don't think that earnings would do it, just consider this. That's essentially where the stock was trading last week. So that isn't a whole lot. Then, of course, we're long that longer-dated call. Why not just buy the stock? I think this week also gives us the answer to that. I wouldn't want to run out and buy stocks at this point thinking that the worst is over because I don't think in the long run that it is yet. Wow, everybody's kind of negative. No, you know, actually, Mike's trade leans bullish, and he's trying to be constructive here. And what he's trying to say well, is that the worst isn't over. Oh, yeah. What, what, what he's saying is that short-dated option prices into this uh, earnings print are very elevated. And he wants to actually take advantage of that by selling some shorter-dated premium and using the proceeds to buy some longer-dated premium. So Mike would love this stock to go to 209.99 and close right there and end up owning that longer-dated 210 call. So I like this trade. We're going to talk a little bit about my Cisco trade from last week. It was very similar and you try to do these sorts of trades around earnings events because you get this set up but to me this is a constructive trade um, but you're, you know we got to thread the needle here a little bit 210 is, a, is an important level yeah no I think that's exactly right I mean this is one of those situations where we actually have like I was saying before we have a couple things working in tandem when the market itself is also getting significantly more volatile you're going to see that the implied volatilities of the individual stocks is rising then you add to that the potential for an additional catalyst, which could increase volatility even more, and that's one of the reasons why you see this. Consider that the option that we're selling at 325 expires only about a month from now. The one that we're buying at 825 is into early 2020. So there's a significant difference in how much time these have to expiration, but the $5 difference in price isn't quite as great. And the setup in that we've given back 10%, that ameliorates some of the risk, right? We're not chasing something at the high. We're down to a level of support. It all uh, sets up for what could be a very good trade. All right. From home sales to Salesforce, the software giant also gearing up to report earnings next week. The stock rallying today as the markets rebounded from a rough week. But the stock is still down 9% in the last month as trader turmoil, trading, t- trade turmoil takes its toll on tech. You say that 10 times? Sure. You know, this one is really interesting. When they report next week, the options market is implying about a 5.5% move in either direction. That's just a little rich to the 4.5% move. The stock has um, moved on average over the last four quarters. But what's interesting about this name is that obviously it's a high valuation name and it's a great secular story. Um, but it's not really that adversely affected by what's, affected what, what's going on exactly with China. Obviously, if there was a slowdown in global enterprise spending, that would hurt these guys. Um, but this stock has stalled out. And there's the chart right there. You know, if you look at the one year, it has tremendous overhead resistance between 160 and 170. Um, and it's really just at really underperforming the NASDAQ, which is up 19% of the year. It's only up 5%. Um, and then you have peers like Adobe that are up 27% of the year. Uh, ServiceNow up 40%. Workday up 20%. Something's going on right here. You know, one thing the company bought or made a bid for Tableau software for $15.7 billion. That value is more than all of the 28 acquisitions this company has made to date. So people are starting to think, wait a minute, this deceleration in revenue growth, are they trying to kind of 
get, you know, jumpstart a little bit that growth. But I think that's one of the issues that some investors have right now. That chart right there, that's the five year. And just from a purely technical level, I think it's really important to let Carter speak to all of it. But if you look at that intersection of the uptrend through late 2016, and then you look at where the recent support has been, it's sitting right on that level at 140. I think a guide down and you have this stock going lower, but I do see overhead resistance at 160. So here's the trade into the print. And it's really, this is an important strategy, I think, for long holders. This is a widely held stock. I know a lot of our viewers really love the story here. But a collar strategy is something where when you own a stock and you're in a potentially into a potentially volatile event like earnings in a potentially volatile period that we are in right now, it makes sense sometimes to put a collar strategy on where you're protecting your stock, you have gains to a certain point, and you have losses protected below a certain point. So here's a strategy I just want to tell you real quickly that you might do if you are more worried about extreme upside than you are about extreme uh, excuse me, extreme downside than you are about extreme upside over the next couple months. When the stock was at 144 today, you could look out to October expiration and you could buy the October 130, 160 collar paying 70 cents for that. What are you doing here? You're selling one of the October 160 calls at $2. You're buying one of the October 130 puts for $2.70 that costs you 70 cents. Here's how this trade works out between now and October expiration. If the stock goes up to 160, you have gains in the stock up to that. You are called away at 160 versus 100 shares of stock. If you are short one call, that would be paired up. You could always cover that call and keep the long position intact if the stock is 160 or higher on October expiration. Now, you have losses to the downside, down to that long put strike, down to 130, but you are protected below that. Again, this structure costs 70 cents in premium, so that is basically out the window no matter what happens. But this is a really interesting strategy in volatile times into volatile events for positions that you want to hold on to, but you're worried about extreme downside. You actually, you know, you hit the critical piece in a trade like this, whether you're talking about an in-the-money call spread, put spread, or a collar like this, you've created a situation where the risk and the reward are essentially symmetric. However, we don't actually believe that the risk or reward in the stock are symmetric. We think they're asymmetric. The high in the stock was 167, but that was last March. I can see why you could see why 160 might be a near-term high. The low, though, was 120. And we're obviously in a volatile market period. And we've seen lower highs. And obviously, this is your territory, not mine. But when I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this isn't a coin toss if I buy the stock, but I can get a coin toss out of the options market, that's the trade-off that you definitely want to make. I mean, the, the, the thing is that this is a darling, right? This was like there was $5 in the 09 low and has basically gone to 170 And this darling has stalled. NVIDIA was a darling until the whole thing came. All of uh, so-called uh, Baba, Tencent, all that stuff, and it's all gone it's all ruins on the floor. The point is, this is stalled, it's rolled over, its relative performance is terrible, and it has distinct patterns of distribution. Heavy volume drawdowns in March, another in June, another in the beginning of August, all of which suggest that a great champion is faltering, is faltering. Yeah, and I want to make one last point. So, you know, a lot of uh, viewers out there, you use options to hedge long positions, right, to kind of define your risk and something that, you know, you just want to hold on to. This strategy actually just lessens the premium outlay that you would have. If you were always hedging your your portfolio or individual stocks, that is a huge drag. You hear Mike talk about this all the time on your performance. What I'm doing here is I'm selling a call and I'm using the proceeds to help buy a put for minimal premium outlay. I think it's a really important strategy that investors should think about in periods like this, you know, you just don't want to be buying puts all over the place against stocks that you own. That's not a great strategy. Okay. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, check out our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. 
A number of big retailers are on deck to report earnings next week. And Mike Coe has one name that could really hit the mark when it reports. He'll show you how to play it. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Check out the XRT retail ETF down more than 10% in the past month amid a slew of disappointing earnings results. But there is one bright spot amid the retail wreckage. Walmart surged after it reported results yesterday. Mike Coe says there's one other name in the space that could be targeting an earnings breakout of its own. He is at the plasma with his call to action. Michael, what are you seeing? Yeah, so Walmart, you know, the results did catch, uh, catch me a little bit by surprise, I have to say, in a very tough week. Walmart obviously performed exceptionally well. I'm taking a look at Target here, which, to my eye at least, the valuation looks much more attractive than Walmart. We're talking about about 15 times earnings versus 21, 22 times earnings. One thing about uh, this stock, also we have to keep an eye on the price of options as well. Like many other stocks, as we were already talking about, we have an above average implied move, nearly 7%. uh, And that is probably a function both of how the stock has reported the last eight quarters where we have seen slightly higher volatility and how the market's behaving right now. Uh, And that, of course, is the other issue. In a market like this, how do we want to get into stocks that we like on a valuation perspective, but the overall market might be making us a little bit nervous? And now I'm just going to take a look here at what I was talking about before. You'll notice that Target and Walmart, you often will see that these two, the gap in their P.E. ratios widens and then narrows. You would see it widen if there was a reason why you might think that the income growth in Target couldn't keep pace with Walmart, but that actually isn't the case. We've actually seen pretty consistent income trends in both names. Walmart obviously has been making a move to food sales. I think Target's trying to follow suit, so it seems like they're navigating a lot of the retail wreckage pretty well. So how do we do this? Very simply, we're going to take a look out to October and take a look at how the stock has behaved in comparable ranges. We can see if we go back here, we can see that we are back down here around the 70 level, and right up here you know, maybe just shy of 90. So the trade I was looking at was the October 85, 92 and a half call spread. When I was looking at this earlier today, this call was pretty much close to at the money. This spread would cost about $2.50. It's a $7.50 wide spread. That represents a third of the distance between the strikes. That's a little bit more than we typically would look to spend on vertical spreads. But I think it's justified in a market like this one where we've seen such sharp moves in individual stocks. This stock has actually moved fairly considerably on its own earnings as well. So this is a way where we can get some upside exposure. We've defined our risk to $2.50 to the downside given the stock is trading around 85 bucks. That's a relatively small percentage between now and October expiration. You got a question for him? Yeah, no, I mean, listen, Mike's risking one to possibly make two if this stock breaks out to new all-time highs. You know, he mentioned Walmart here. Um, you know, these are very two very different companies. You know, when we just talked about it earlier on the other show, you know, Walmart has more of a staple feel to it with all the grocery sales. I just mentioned this with Target. It feels a lot more like one of these kind of um, department stores that are getting absolutely slayed. You know what I mean? So to me, in this environment, I would suspect that this one probably doesn't break out on just results that aren't anything other than spectacular. 
I mean, it's, it's often a coin toss. We know that. So we have great victories when we bet ahead of earnings and great defeats. This one will be volatile. That's obvious. The last quarter was a beat, and that usually um, suggests that you get another beat. You get beats yeah, or misses. been a winner, right? I That's mean, right. 27% year-to-date. That's right. It's a darling stock. So, uh, and we've set it up well in terms of the way to do it rather than just buying the stocks. I think you'll, you're right to get long and do it through options. Mike? You know, I mean, the points that Dan are making, they're reasonable ones, but just remember this. Target actually can follow the Walmart model here. If they want to get more into food sales, and they have been endeavoring to do that, you're buying the stock at a considerably lower valuation. The online sales are also starting to make some traction there. This is a smaller, more nimble company than Walmart is. And, you know, we are getting into a situation where a lot of that retail wreckage, if there are going to be winners, I think very likely this and Walmart could be the two that come out on top. All right, up next... It was a Cisco inferno this week with shares of the tech stock falling more than 10% off of its earnings results. We'll tell you how to trade that carnage. Plus, it's Friday, so you know what that means. We're taking your tweets, so shoot us over your burning options questions at our Twitter handle at OptionsAction. And if you're lucky, we just might take it on the air. We're live at the NASDAQ market site. There's much more Options Action right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to look back at a couple of our open trades. Last week, Dan said Cisco could surge by September. I say to myself, all right, well, I just heard Chuck Robbins say how well his team executed on shifting the supply chain to avert some of the issues that they might have with tariffs. Um, And now that we know that there's another 10 percent supposedly covering on September 1st, I think they've been given a little cover here to possibly give some conservative guidance for the current quarter. And then we get to a situation with September 1st where who knows whether these tariffs are going to be put in place. You could buy the August next week expiration, September 55 call calendar paying 65 cents for that well you know by now it took a pretty big hit off the earnings so what do you well you know what's really well, interesting about now? that clip and this is what dan's gonna do now listen i got a lot of things right in that clip week over week right they did actually take the mulligan they did guide down and the tariffs were pulled the problem is that the guidance was so bad and it was so unexpected that the stock went down too much but here's the, the important thing about the trade and this is what i got wrong is that the stock now is so far below the strikes that we had chosen um, the august september 55 call strike that they're both worthless the trade's worthless but i only risked one percent and so i had a thesis and i wanted to put something to work and that's what i did it and i to find my risk. So at the end of the day, the stock's down 10%, and I risk 1% of the stock price. So to me, some, sometimes a lose is a win. Isn't that kind of the epitome of what we're yeah. trying to do risk, here? Risk, <laughs> risk less, make more. Right. Yeah. There you go. You had a comment on that? No, I mean, I no? think that's okay. the really okay. the we'll point. <laughs> well, last week, Mike said he broke down a protection play in the S&P 500 ETF. We can see that, obviously, right back here, we are down around 2,800, and obviously at the beginning of the year we were substantially lower. What most people are probably concerned about, are we going to get a swoon where we might see something like a 10% decline? How do I give myself a little bit of protection against that kind of an event? This is a tight put spread that I was looking at. October 275, 270 put spread. That's only $5 wide. Oh, the SPY closed this crazy week about 1% lower, so what do you do now? 
Yeah, you don't do anything with this trade. You keep it on. And, and you, we actually saw this week a little bit how something like this can work. Spent about 80 cents and change, went up to about $1.30. But that's not why you bought this for. You bought it because it has a handsome payoff in a disaster situation. If you have this on as protection, you spend a small percentage of your portfolio to have it. You need to keep that on. Okay. Up next, your tweets and the final call. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.